0: Welcome to the Living With Chronic Illness podcast. I'm Mariel Metcalf, Head of Living With at Research Partnership. In our second series, we speak to Lynn, who discusses her experience of living with eosinophilic asthma. In this episode, we speak to Lynn about her diagnosis. We hope you find this podcast of value. And if you want to find out more, please visit researchpartnership.com forward slash livingwith. So, first of all, welcome, Lynn. Thank you. To begin with, could
1: you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I'm a senior citizen, number one. I live in the east, and I've been living with asthma all my life, almost my life. It runs in my family. My mother passed from an asthma attack. Her father and a sister of hers both died from complications of asthma. So, it's been a part of my life, just general asthma for a long time. What I have found is most general practitioners and even a lot of doctors do not understand asthma. That's what really created a lot of my problems. I mean, helped me to get worse. I was always diagnosed with sinus infection that ended up as bronchitis. That's what Mm -hmm. I was treated for. Okay. And nobody said to me, go see a specialist or anything like that. It was just my general practitioner, who really I loved. It wasn't a problem. But uh, I don't think he understood it either. But what they did was he offered me, you know, here's an inhaler, and here is a pill. He, he gave me Singular and Advair as an inhaler, and that's what I was using. And it really didn't make any difference for me. I still was having these bad bouts. I would end up in the ER sometimes. As a matter of fact, one time was so bad that they admitted me for having a heart attack. Oh, my goodness. And I I know I kept saying to them, I'm not having a heart attack. We believe you are having one. I was there for eight hours. They kept taking blood. They did EKGs. They did x-ray. And I said to them, am I having a heart attack? Did any of my tests show that? No, but we believe you're having a heart attack. Wow. When was that, That was probably six, seven years ago. I was there for eight hours, and they had me in one of those wonderful hospital gowns with an opening in the back, sitting in the waiting room. After eight hours of this, I finally just started yelling at everybody. I told them I wanted breathing treatment, and I was leaving. (laughs) So nobody was happy with me. I had to sign a million documents saying I wouldn't hold the hospital responsible for anything that happened, Oh, my goodness. And, uh, And I walked out. And I just lived with this. Doctors would put me on steroids, and they put me on antibiotics. And, you know, it cleared up somewhat, but I never got better. About four and a half years ago, I was really, really bad. I could not breathe. I was in bed. I could not get out of bed. I was so sick. And my PCP told me to go see an ENT. I went to the ENT. They did a scan of my head, and he said, your sinuses are fine. You're not having sinus issues. And this is what I had been treated for all this wow. time. Wow, yeah. So he said to me, have you ever been to an allergist? And I said, no. And he said, I want you to see an allergist who is also an asthma specialist. And I found this wonderful man. I just adore him. I, I, I literally thought I was dying at this point. Wow. I watched my mother die from this. And I thought, this is it. I am dying too. And mm-hmm. uh, this man, I can't say enough about him. He realized right away what my problem was. We did the allergy test, and he found out, you know, what I was allergic to. I started getting the injections for it, but it still never went away. I was still on steroids. I was still on antibiotics, and Uh we started trying different inhalers. Yeah. And what I also discovered was that not that inhalers are bad, but they work different on different people.
0: Could I ask you, so this is when you were, you know, referred to the allergist about four, four and a half years ago. And still, right. when you were taking these treatments, at this point, you were not
1: yet diagnosed with a synophilic asthma. No, he sent me for blood work. And that's when they discovered that I had a synophilic asthma.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. So how? I mean, how did that feel? Because it sounds like you were suffering for quite a long time. No one really knew what you right. had. How did that feel at that time going through this process? Yeah, well,
1: at this point, I I still thought I was dying. Mm. I mean, I would sit in my doctor's office and I would cry and I'd say, this is it, mm. I'm dying, just like my mother died. And so this is when he put me on a biologic uh, mm. injection. And again, you know, different medications work differently for different people. And I'm still trying uh, different inhalers okay. because... Some of them just literally knocked me out. I would use it and I would just basically collapse from exhaustion. It was uh, a process. We are
0: gonna talk about treatments in another session, but I I just wanted to revisit again the time that you were, I guess, diagnosed, because I know that we've actually interviewed other people who live with eosinophilic asthma. And for them, the feedback we got was that it took them an average of four years to actually be diagnosed. So these are other people who have general asthma and then I think something took a turn in terms of their symptoms and it took an average of 4 years for them to finally get the diagnosis. And from your experience, could you estimate the length of time you think that you've been suffering from this until that time that you were diagnosed? How long do you estimate oh, that? Oh,
1: it, it actually it was years. Probably 20 years. I mean it was just my PCP who was diagnosing me just as sinus infection and Turning into bronchitis.
0: So that's a long time. I mean, I guess it's it's really hard to fathom because if you've been suffering for 20 years, not knowing, and I mean, was going to the ER or to hospital. I don't want to say normal thing, but did that happen more than once?
1: Yes, it did. A lot of times, they would give me an injection of steroids. Yeah. And a breathing treatment.
0: When a you say breathing time, treatment,
1: I, what is the breathing it's a treatment? Nebulizer.
0: Oh, a nebulizer. A nebulizer
1: okay, treatment. Got it. A lot of times I was so sick that I was uh, dehydrated, too. And so I'd have to have an IV. And so this would all happen in the ER. I never was kept overnight. I was never admitted uh, until the heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, no matter who I talked to, a doctor or anybody, it was always the same thing. Nobody had any real answer for me. And probably it was four years ago that I was so bad. When you say so bad, what did it take for that to be so bad? I could not breathe, okay? I was using my inhalers all the time, which you're not supposed to do. I was coughing, just nonstop coughing. I could not sleep because I was coughing all the Uh -uh. time. I was very weak. I got so bad that I moved out of my bedroom with my husband and went into another room because I was keeping him up all night, too. Oh, my goodness. Luckily, I was... Retired at that point, and I wasn't missing work, but I, you know if I was still working, it wouldn't have been a major problem for me mm. because this went on for maybe about nine months that I was still having all these issues. Wow. One of the problems I had was I'm not a wheezer, okay mm. Doctors would always say to me, But you're not wheezing." And not everybody wheezes with that. So,
0: what, did they use that as a way to see whether it was really serious or not when they're saying, "Oh, you're not, you're not wheezing."
1: Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, that's oh. what they. It wasn't serious because I wasn't wheezing. And but it was. Oh, you couldn't so, yeah. breathe? <laughs> I, I know. And one of the things too is it infected my lungs. You know, cause I couldn't mm. talk. I had no voice. I had birds from the asthma. You know, uh, acid reflux very bad. And I mean, I would be on steroids for months and months at a time when these things happened to me. To say it was difficult for everybody, for my husband to deal with me, he didn't know how to make me comfortable.
0: Yeah. And
1: I I was on the internet. I bought a pillow that would raise me up so that I didn't have to sleep flat. you know. All kinds of things. So I bought the humidifiers, I bought mm-hmm. all air cleaners, you know, anything to make me feel better. And it got to the point where nothing made me feel better.
0: So, at that point, then, when your allergist gave you the diagnosis, what did he or she actually say? How did
1: they describe it to you? My mind wasn't working at that time either. You're fogged up, too, okay? And it's mm. difficult to concentrate. And they just said that your body has these things called escenophils. And what they do is they attack your immune system, white cells. And he says, what we have to do is we have to get them down. That's how he explained it to me.
0: I understand you you were kind of in a state at that point. Did you go back after that to look it up further to understand more about it? Or was that information (laughs) enough for you?
1: Well, at that point, that was enough for me, and I'm not sure that I could have spelled a Cefix at that time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was enough for me at that point. But you know, he held my hand. He saw me every week. I mean, he was calling me at home
0: because wow. he was
1: worried about me too. Yeah.
0: So he basically identified it for you. Were you immediately put on treatment at that point? Once he said, "We need to get this down." Here's the, the Well, treat- the treatment
1: is expensive,
0: hmm.
1: and we had to go through process of getting me approved for it, because when I'm on, it's $3,000 a shot, an injection. So we had to go through that also. That's
0: incredible. Okay. I will go through how you came to be prescribed that, but I think we're trying to understand how this condition is being described to people suffering from it. It is quite technical sometimes. So when you said that was enough for you at diagnosis, you didn't have to look for any further information looking back now at that entire process of diagnosis, was there anything that you wish could have been improved to make the process easier? Anything that they could have provided to you, whoever that may be? So how how could that whole thing have been improved overall?
1: Probably something written on senoselic asthma. Because you leave there and you can't, like I said, you can't even spell it to look it up. I got more information when he was going to go with the biologic, But I'm not sure that I would have understood it at all anyway, because actually it was like I was in a zombie state. Hmm. You know, I was just existing. I wasn't living, I was existing.
0: Yes, no, I just, was there anyone really during that diagnosis? Did you have support at that time or anything like that? Um,
1: no, not really. I didn't. It's just me and my husband, and he actually has dementia. So it was just me, myself, and I. That's all. Yeah.
0: Looking back at that process, aside from the information the doctor told you or your allergist told you, anything else that you think, I wish they did that, or I wish this happened sooner,
1: or anything like that that could have improved it overall? Well, probably somebody advising me to see the specialist probably Mm -hmm. would have been wonderful. That's why I say doctors don't know enough about asthma to really help you get through it. And you have to be your own advocate too, believe me. That's one thing I found. When you say you have to be your own advocate, what do you mean by that? Just the initial approval for Mm -hmm. the medication. It was turned down originally. And I had to call, and I had to fight with my insurance company. I need this. I'm not going to live if I don't have this. And they were great when I called them, and they approved it right away. I see. Wow, it sounded like such a major
0: struggle just to even get the diagnosis after 20 years of suffering from the symptoms that's incredible
1: yeah I got sick a lot at work so I missed a lot of work because of it When you don't have a diagnosis you know to say why well, you're missing a lot of work it's difficult you know what did you so, tell people at that time was it just I, I
0: basically told them I had bronchitis right I mean they understood bronchitis you know I see I see so, just to wrap up the discussion for this session, is there any difference in how you feel about your cinophilic asthma now compared to how you felt about it when you were diagnosed? Well,
1: you know what? It was scary. It was something that you never heard of. You didn't know if there was really a cure. I can't say there was a cure for it because is you know, isn't. But it was very scary because you thought, well, what does this mean? Will this really help me? and will i die from it (laughs) you know that type of thing you know yeah so it was still a scary because it was my immune system it was my lungs it was just very frightening and the fact that i had watched my mother die probably Mm. made it even worse for me yes and and so you're
0: saying that you feel differently about it now i do i do Mm
1: -hmm. it doesn't bother me and i'm Always the first person when I talk to people who have asthma, I'll say, Hey, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? Go see this asthma doctor. It took me a long time to get to this point. I would tell them, This is what you have to do. I'm not afraid of it. And I really wish they had this 13 years ago when my mother died.
0: Thank you for taking us through your experience. In our next podcast, we will be talking about how eosinophilic asthma impacts day to day life. So we hope you can join us for that session.